Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. Today our guest will be Jill Sharon Kimmelman, who will be sharing with us some of her poetic treats, as well as some news about what she's working on. You don't want to miss this. Sharon Kimmelman was nominated for a Pushcart Prize in Poetry and the Best of Net for 2018. Publications include Vita Revis Press, Spillwords Press, Yasu, A Celebration of Life, Ezine, Compositor, Writing in a Woman's Voice, Blogspot, Poetic Musings, Delaware Boots on the Ground, and Better Than Starbucks. Her passions include reading aloud, cooking from the heart, theater, lively book discussions, and photography. She lives in Delaware with her husband, Tim, and is the proud mother of her son, Jordan. Jill can be reached on Facebook at You Are the Poem and Instagram. Welcome, Jill. It's great to have you here today. Thank you, Lisa. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, we were kind of joking about, you know, having our coffee time this morning, and you brought up about this uh, morning cup of joe, and it, it talks about um, taking vanilla and brown sugar and cream, and you made me hungry or thirsty for wonderful. <laughs> not fair, not fair at all. <laughs> so I really appreciated that very much. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> And I understand you just shared some news with me this morning that uh, there's a trailer out for a actually an anthology that you're in. I think you have two or three poems in it. I have um, three poems in it. Yes. Well, tell us about that. Sensibility is an anthology by international poets. There was a competition for qualifying poets. And it has an underlying theme of how our sensory memories, uh, specifically in this instance, scent, aroma, um, smell, any way you want to call it, um, in every part of our memory, it evokes something. So a scent can take you back to childhood. It can take you back to your first love, your dad or your mom. It can take you back to your first intimate relationship. And those scents remain with you as you age gracefully or as you die horribly. Those There are always scents associated with everything and sensibility has a wide range of that um my poems that are included don't necessarily reflect as much sense however she included me anyway because she fell in love with the work and offered me the opportunity to write the blurb and there is a trailer out now, and it's breathtaking. It looks like a movie trailer. 
And what I discovered the second time I wrote it, I read it and saw it and was watching it. I realized these glorious images over them are my words. So that was amazing. It was so exciting. Well, that's great. And congratulations on this. I will definitely have to check it out. Um, Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Congratulations on that. And also congratulations on getting the Pushcart nomination. Can you tell us about that? Pushcart's a mystery to me. Um, And so maybe you can uh, explain to me a little bit about how that works and and what were, was it a particular poem that you were nominated for? How'd that, how'd that go? The poem I was nominated for is called Dancing in the Kitchen. The way that the Pushcart Prize works, if I may use an analogy, mm-hmm. the Golden Globes have, in films deals with the foreign press. And in this same way, because the Pushcart Prize is international, first the literary publication receives um, the type of credentials that can allow them to nominate up to six artists per year from smaller presses. So better than Starbucks, There's a plug for them. They've published me twice. Better Than Starbucks was so kind as to email me the nomination in October of 2017, along with the print issue of my very first published poem on the same day so you can imagine that day changed my writing career forever it made submissions so much easier people look differently when that's on your credit creds your publication credits i don't talk about it much i don't make a big deal about it and when people ask to read something and i share dancing in the kitchen what i focus on is the glorious story and that magnificent wedding dress of my grandmother's and then later on in future discussions i might discuss the pushcart prize it's a nomination i want to be clear about that i didn't win i don't know anyone who went who has ever won but i do know someone who has a marvelous group on facebook and he has been nominated four times it's pretty impressive yes well to be nominated is it would be good enough for me (laughs) thank you it's not something you can compete for it's something that someone else has to nominate you for so that was pretty that was an astonishing day and an amazing accomplishment considering that it came from my very first poem ever published so that was that was a day for for the ages absolutely i really like this poem i think that i might have told you that was probably my favorite of your poetry Um, thank you we do have that in common with the whole 
dance experience in the family. My, my parents were, we joked about, they were like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. They could dance to anything and beautifully. So everybody used to like to watch them dance. Um, dad was in the military and they used to go dancing at the club um, uh-huh. pretty much every Saturday night. And sometimes those kids went, and sometimes we didn't, but they always had people's eyes on them. <laughs> <laughs> So, Will, could you, would you mind reading us this poem? It would be my pleasure. Thank you. There is a glorious photo, a wedding portrait. There we go. Yes. Okay. It was from 1939, and it was my grandparents. And the opening lines of Dancing in the Kitchen are also from 1939 within the poem. The story is not theirs, but it is in fact the perfect, absolutely perfect pairing. And the my grandparents also danced. They loved to dance. My grandfather looked like James Cagney and my grandmother and my grandfather danced from their first date and after he passed away she went on cruises took dance lessons twice or three times a day whenever they were offered did tea dancing in the afternoons did dancing after dinner because they did late sittings and early sittings and she liked to stay up late so they would dance with the ambassadors on the ships and she loved it so much that when we lost her nine years ago my grandmother was buried in her dancing shoes not ballet shoes but they looked like crystal they were lucite but they looked like crystal And she was buried in those beautiful shoes in a gown that she treasured from one of the grandchildren's weddings. And that was along with the shoes. It was beautiful when we went to say our final goodbye. Yes, well, that sounds very appropriate. Absolutely. Dancing in the Kitchen. 60 years together still. They dance in the kitchen like movie stars from 1939. With her eyes closed, she imagines herself to be this man's siren. All heady scents, fiery hair, and throaty whispers. She could be a star of the silver screen, alabaster wrists and swan neck, flashing emeralds and rubies, the whisper of her caresses delivered by hands in long satin gloves. With his eyes shut, he could be the UPS man, 25 years old, in summer shorts, flashing a devil of a smile. His lips deliver a commanding brush of sea-deep 
kisses that rock her from her toes to her cerebellum and back again. There is music, a solo saxophone, soul drifting in through the open windows, soul stirring on a cool and scented breeze. Icy cocktails are produced. As smooth as slipping skin, he removes her gloves, allowing her fingers to graze the rim of her frosted glass and pluck a briny, glistening olive, place it between his teeth. It's a shabby room, scuffed up floors, a patched screen door, and countertops in avocado green. He washes, she dries. That's the way it's always been. Sweet tea and ice-cold beer to toast another perfect sunset. As if he had arranged it all just for her pleasure. His face crinkles with that funny lopsided smile that she knows so well. He fiddles with an old black radio. Slow, sweet jazz fills the kitchen, spilling into every corner. Crossing the room, he takes her hand. Sixty years of Saturday nights still dancing in the kitchen. Bravo, bravo. Thank you, Lisa. I noticed that you really pulled in all the senses with this poem. I could, I could taste the tea, you know, I could, I could smell the scents. I could just, you know, I could feel um, the different feeling that it just really pulled me in with all the different senses that you brought in there. Um, Thank you. Thank you very that. much. Yeah. I'll tell you something about that poem. It took me 28 hours to write. I had written the first part. It simply flowed. I didn't have any idea where I was going. Once she put the olive in his mouth. I took a long walk. I went to visit a friend. And somehow in a dream, when I woke up, I knew. I knew. And it just came from somewhere. And when I read it aloud to the couple that it's truly about, she had tears in her eyes. And she was listening, and she did not know that it was for her and her husband. And all of a sudden, she turned to my mother and said, that's us. And my mother said, Jill, is, is that for Elaine and Joe? And I said, Elaine, who washes, who dries, who dances <laughs> on Saturday nights? And that couple loved it so much. And when I finished, 
that's when I knew I'd been writing that for the couple that I've known since I was 10 years old. Wow. Just amazing how much poetry can affect people um, in so many ways, whether it's directly or indirectly focused on a particular you know, person or couple or, or theme, um, how we can relate to different things. And one of the poems that you wrote called Double Shift made me think, you know, about anybody who is a first responder or anybody that's working in healthcare um, would uh, definitely appreciate hearing this poem and recognizing all the hard work they do. And this this poem, Double Shift, I understand it was written um, while, while you're in the hospital uh, yes. as a patient in appreciation for the extraordinary team of dedicated nurses and aides. I wonder if you could read this poem for us. It would be my pleasure. Thank you. Double Shift, another crazy chaotic workday looms 24 hours can you do it perhaps if you turn a deaf ear to the noisy chatter of concerns threatening to topple every textbook fence post memorized statistic inside your bleary mind it's not a day for dreaming dreams and sipping coffee slowly. It's a day for getting through and under and over and out the door. Minute by minute, hour after hour, they call out your name, hugging the corners, patience with fears, so many lost souls riddled with grief, red-rimmed eyes swimming with tears. Anxious patients wait, not always patiently, pressing, repressing, pounding those buttons. You cannot ignore those ceaseless ringing bells. Needy people needing you, each one demanding something different. A break, a meal, change for the bus, fighting against their dying. A hug headed for heaven. Some days are just plain hell. They need you to take them outside their confusion and miles away from their pain. Well, 13 hours to go. Welcome back, hero, to the frenzy, to the chaos, to the tiny spark of someone's hope. Do they say the words aloud or is it enough just to see the thanks in their smile on a face that hasn't smiled in perhaps a dozen years? So many sounds, too many sounds, 
by days in, you are ready, more than ready for silence. Yet, when it comes, it is too quiet. You lay restless, engulfed in dark and stillness. Sleep has become an unanswered prayer. You realize then it hits you hard. You haven't heard that cherished voice all day. When at last you make the call, she is half asleep. Her words are soft. You clutch them to you as a prize. Finally now, you can close your eyes. You helped a few souls. You fought the good fight. Another workday fades to black as she enters your dreams, beautiful in resplendent light. Well, I would, I would like to play that in an intercom to all the different healthcare workers out there. I think they would be like, wow. I have appreciated. That was my goal. My goal was not about publishing for literary groups or even for literary magazines. My goal was always to reach out to the nurses to let them know how valued and appreciated they truly are. And this is a true story. There was a doctor in the summer taking care of my husband. He was in the hospital. And this doctor had also taken care of me when I was in the hospital. We knew him well. He asked him, how is it that how's Jill's poetry coming along? And Tim said, she just ha had this one published. Well, the most astonishing thing happened. He took this poem and physically made copy after copy, delivered it throughout the entire, both hospitals. He delivered it to every nursing station. And it's those are two big hospitals. And yeah. then he sent out a corporate memo to all the medical staff. Wow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wow. It took me longer to write a thank you note to him than it did to write the poem. Oh. I was so grateful. Yeah. It was an extraordinary experience. And I was able to read. I was able to share my poem and they read it to one another and nurses began knocking on my husband's door saying are you jill sharon kimmelman's husband they wanted <laughs> to tell him some had framed it in their homes others had cried as they left the the ICU and came down to his room in order to go into his room they had to be garbed and completely he was in isolation so it mm -hmm. was a big effort yet they came anyway 
And the dearest experience to my heart was a nurse who knocked on the door and timidly asked him, may I hug you? That reduced me to a blubbering mess. I was so I was so touched. I got to reach the nurses who I wanted desperately to see. And I had no way to do that. Nursing journals don't accept unsolicited poetry, but the doctor did it for me. So there's, that's the backstory of double shift. Wow. That's amazing. Not surprising. So not surprising that that it would motivate a doctor to want to do that because those words are so exquisite. Thank you. Now, you're working on a project with your friend, Annette. Can you tell us about that? It would be my pleasure. Um, Annette and I are creating fictional characters I don't know how much of it will be based on our lives because when you write poetry, even if you write in first person, it's simply to bond as quickly as possible with your reader in a poem. In a book, we felt that an exchange, a real snail mail correspondence over a large part of their adult lifetime would allow them to share their lives with one another. And through letters, their poems, they would share with one another. They could live anywhere in the world. Sadly, they do not ever meet. But the beauty, the things, the beauty of it is that the things they share through their poems in their letters are so intimate, things they never share with their own spouses, their own children, special, important uh, dreams celebrations unique to the two of them and it is in fact a poem that I'm using as our shall we say um, navigating our way through creating this book it's a blueprint if you will for what we're going to do and it's based on a true story I actually experienced this with another writer. He was in South Africa, a pediatric oncologist, a wonderful man, and his hobby was reading poetry. He discovered my work online. And the most amazing thing, we began to write to one another. We did it over a decade, perhaps closer to 15 years, I have a huge stack of letters, all in blue ribbons and put together. And I used snippets and excerpts from those letters to put in this particular poem. 
And that's where the idea of the book that Annette and I are working on. We're very excited. It's going to take time, but it's going to be well worth the wait. Absolutely. And that's form that you refer to. You want to share that with us today? Oh, Lisa, that would be awesome. Yes. Um, it's called Trading Wishes. And they do, in fact, never meet. But it's not important because what they've shared is absolutely so magnificent, so you, so very, very special between two people. And what they have is an unbreakable bond. Trading wishes. It was winter. The only posies to be found had been forced into bloom in some distant hothouse that had turned them into hybrids and stole their scent away. I wrote you a letter proposing a porch swing to share and hours upon hours of unhurried conversation. Do you remember? Finally, spring has arrived. The flowers on my bedside table are luscious, sun-drenched yellow tulips, and the streets beneath my windows are ablaze with magnificent blooms. As far back as I remember, once I had my longed for license to drive in one hand and the keys to my very own automobile as sleek as it was in the other, I would celebrate spring's arrival with a long drive to nowhere in particular, cruising with the top down and the radio turned up loud. Now springtime calls to another lucky girl my sweet allegra bell behind the wheel of my cherished candy apple car and i believe the time has come to trade in my porch swing wish with you for a drive to nowhere in particular perhaps a picnic Yummy things to eat, fried chicken, blackberry cobbler, and mangoes so perfectly ripe that the juice strips down our chins, and endless pitchers of bellinis made with Vuve Clicquot champagne. You will drive. We can talk about poems, books music, our separate histories, the gift and the blessing of our beautiful, unlikely friendship, cooking from the heart, and how we honor those very special storytellers, for they were our earliest muses. Hours will pass unnoticed. 
whispers of wishes will come to settle in our hearts and minds. And we will scribble the words of friendship and connection on the canvas of each other's souls. And though it is just a wish whispered into the wind, I know you will pick it up, dust it off, and never forget the girl who wished you into it. And though we may never share a porch swing, take that leisurely drive on hidden roads, or swig the finest of champagnes, make angels in the snow. I celebrate the gift of our enduring friendship. There will be a cloudless azure sky, a reason for joy. And on that glorious spring afternoon, it will indeed be enough. Wow. You know, <laughs> I can hear your your emotion in in reading that and um you are actually a, a very beautiful reader thank poetry. you i can tell your feelings behind it you know are very very real very strong you know and that just makes it even better yet i'm looking thank forward you. to what you and annette create i'm going to have annette on here next week I'm you have a, a poem that you shared with me called Healing Magic. I wonder if you would share that with us. I would love to. Thank you. Healing Magic. This barrel of grief, once hollow, black, without floor or perch, frightens me a little less with each rung of the climbing out. You see, I'm a traveler navigating new roads, gazing upon splendid vistas, a gift of lanterns light my way. Opalescent pearls and magic beads illuminate, illuminate the pale dawn. When I stumble on unfamiliar roads, my dress is rimmed with mystic dust. So I walk a little slower. No need to hurry this journey. Sweet temptation beckons beneath the invitation of this stranger's welcome smile. And I bend like a willow to show a fellow traveler the grace in my limbs, and the recognition in my heart. This has the makings of healing magic. Thank you. And can you tell, is there a backstory to this poem? Yes, there is. I was in a bad place after someone in my life who I'd known for a very long time passed away very, very suddenly 
a massive coronary. He was dead before his head hit the pillow. It was my stepbrother. I loved him very much. And I believe that I wrote this poem not only to share with um, those people who find themselves mired in the very, very bottom of their soul. And they just do not know that hope is there. Their grief is so deep. That was what my own family, including myself, was going through. Healing magic was the victory from emerging from that horrible, horrible place. People can interpret it as however they wish, because as you well know, as a poet, once we're done, once we've revised and edited and listened to it over and over and read it to our spouses and children until they say, go away, go away. (laughs) But basically, once it's done, it's done. And we move on to the next poem. But for so many people that read it in grief groups, it made a difference. And I'd like to think within my own family who are not poetry buffs, but my mom's always been my biggest cheerleader. I'd like to think that healing magic helped all of us. Now, um, you do have one poem that I understand has been put to music and I actually, um, you know, was able to hear that in in the um song and I thought it was absolutely beautiful called Let Thanks In. And one of the things that you had put in this poem that you had sent me, um, it said, my idea has always been that if we could bring the mothers of various nations together, then there would be no more war. And those are the words that my mother used to say. She used to say, if a mo- if a mother was president, wars would go away. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really, that really meant something to me to read that. Okay. Yeah. Have you read Howard's End? Where it came from? Have you read it? I have not. Have you seen the film even better? No. You must see the film. We saw it again for me many, many times, but for Tim, it was the first time and it is available. It's one of the Merchant Ivory films and Mm -hmm. it stars Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. So there are, it's miraculous. And that Emma Thompson and Vanessa Redgrave and Vanessa Redgrave is the mother, the matriarch of the family. And this line is given to her to speak. It's very um, powerful. And that is what inspired this poem. And what is so amazing about it is it's incredibly timely now because we're living we're living in a world that we don't even recognize in this country anymore. I wonder if you agree about that. 
it certainly is a different world in which we live right now. That is for certain. Sometimes I wish I could go back in time and, and live through maybe the 70s again. I don't know. The that 70s. Wasn't, that wasn't really pretty either, but because we had Vietnam and all of that going on. But um, I don't know. It was just a simpler time. Would you mind um, reading this poem to us? I will put this up on my brand new Facebook page because I want people very much to have access to the audio file as okay. well as to the gorgeous photography. There is a beautiful picture called Praying for Peace. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting note that my husband took this photograph she's a model she he took this photograph many many years before we met and even before i ever wrote this poem and yet it's the most perfectly beautiful image that i could come up with to pair with my poem it's a very timely aching voice asking for peace mm. in today's world we need this to go viral i don't right. care if my name is on it i just want it heard as much mm. as possible it's an honor Thank you. let peace in my idea has always been that if we could bring the mothers of various nations together, then there would be no more war. When your past is climbing fences just to pound upon your door at 3 a.m., forgive yourself, look ahead, let peace in. When those technicolor dreams douse your heart with hot splashed pain. Show them you're clean as morning face. Forgive yourself. Look ahead. Let peace in. When today is screaming, shooting, shouting, far too much for you to bear. Forgive yourself. Look ahead let peace in if it's killing you to peer into tomorrow at the sight of dead kids and their clinging ghosts then drown your pill caches in all of your houses run fast as the wind go now to begin all is forgiven. Look ahead. Let peace in. Throw your doors open wide. Tear the blinds from your eyes. Look ahead. Look beyond. And please, please, please let peace in. Thank you so much for reading that. You know, writing, writing is a form of healing, and you certainly are using it well. Your um, poems reflect that as well. And like I said before, your connection with the senses 
it all comes into play with with your history of working with food and and taking in so many different elements that that it's bound to show up in your work so bravo you're doing a great job with this i'm looking forward to seeing um this project come to completion with you and annette so i can read it give us some time annette has a lot <laughs> well, of things take your on time. her plate <laughs> yeah take your time and you know it's like I said, there's no no rushing you need to just pace it according to what your needs are and it'll all come to you know to that point of completion thank you so much for joining us today and i hope you have a great rest of your day lisa it has been an absolute pleasure thank you tremendously thank you don't go away we'll be right back with a prolific pulse poetry podcast I have some very exciting news. Jill and her husband are creating note cards and other graphics to be packaged in pouches, starting with local markets, but who knows where this may go next. With her husband's background as a professional photographer, coupled with Jill's flair for poetry and musings, these graphics will be original works of art. Jill's background in the culinary arts will also serve well as she incorporates food photos. She also has a stock of animal and floral prints readily available. Eventual plans are to venture into wellness, fitness, and compassion. Always looking at ways to help others, 10% of the profits will go to one or three charities, including No Kid Hungry, St. Jude's, and Training PTSD Therapy Dogs. You will find these green conscious products on Jill's Instagram and Facebook pages listed on our show information. I wish Jill and her husband all the luck and all the blessings in the world. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. See you again soon.